Good morning, Real Life family and friends. And if you're uh, visiting with us today, welcome. I'm Pastor Tim, uh, pastor here at Real Life in Montrose, Michigan. And today is a special day, as we all know. It's Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all of the fathers out there, all the dads out there. And we're also celebrating that our Heavenly Father is a Father who loves us. He's for us. He's not against us. And today we're just going to celebrate Father's Day by just looking at... Um, what, what fathers are and what a great blessing they are to all of us. And I want to challenge all of the dads out there, all the fathers out there, to continue to look at uh, our role and the incredible significance that it has in our family and in our legacy. And so today, let's look at the scriptures together and celebrate. If we have these types of fathers in our lives, celebrate the gift that they are to us. And if we are a father, to be challenged today, to just look and take inventory of how we're doing as a father and um, to mirror our earthly fathership, I guess, after our heavenly father. So I just thought we would start off by, I just want to ask you a reflective question. Uh, what is one thing that you remember or uh, live by that your father taught you? Maybe it was a saying or a principle or a nugget of truth. Um, think about that for a second. What is something that you're, you're, you gained uh, from your father's upbringing, something he used to say or something that he taught you. And those things, uh, if we start to reflect on those things, of course, our mothers, our fathers, they have a huge impact on our lives. And uh, we're thankful for all of the godly wisdom and qualities that have been passed on to us from them. Uh, to start with, you know, there's a ton of things that a great father does. I want to just mention seven qualities of a great father before I get into really the meat and potatoes of today's talk about the three spiritual responsibilities of a godly father. So first of all, here's seven qualities I just thought I would highlight and celebrate with you together today. Number one, um, a great father provides for his family, right? And so this is part of God's provision. God provides for us and earthly fathers. We are called to provide for our families, not just financially, though, also emotionally, relationally, and spiritually, a great father provides in all of these ways for his family. He's there emotionally, uh, he's there relationally, uh, he's there spiritually and providing uh, the needs that the family has. One of the things that um, inspires me is when I see a godly man, a godly father, a godly husband, and I see strength and bravery and courage and sacrifice of a man of God, knowing that he is accepting his role willingly and by accepting that role as a godly man, he also knows that it's going to entail great sacrifice on his part, but that he takes courage. He takes um, those steps of taking on responsibility, bravery, uh, provider, and he, he's willing to do that. I have been inspired by many men in my life uh, from a distance as I have watched them live their lives out and it's just, it's a great gift, isn't it? A godly man is a great gift to a family and to his children and to his wife. And uh, I, I just celebrate that. Second uh, quality of a great father is a great father protects his family, right? Uh, and this is not just a physical protection, but I believe a great father prays for his children, prays for his family, and spiritually protects them by doing spiritual warfare as well. When someone's sick, a great father will step in and proclaim God's promises over the situation, right? When the family goes through a crisis, the great, a great father will, 
will cover and protect and pray and console and lead the family in that crisis. And so a great father is one who protects his family, but also creating safe boundaries for the children uh, as far as the types of friends that our kids have. We watch out for them. We make sure that they're around good people because we know that the Bible says good company uh, or bad company corrupts good morals. <clears throat> and so a father is always looking to see is their children uh, being around the right people? Uh, do they have the right boundaries, even for the internet and social media and activities that they're getting involved with? So a great father is attentive to what's going on in, the, in this kid's lives, right? So that we can protect them from, from uh, dangers that are out there. Number three, a great father loves his family unconditionally. Nobody's perfect, but a, a, a great father pursues that unconditional love, never giving up on his kids, never giving up on them, always hoping the best, uh, not looking for perfection, but looking for progress, right? Looking for growth in his kids, looking for them to really develop and, and walk into the plan that God has for them and recognizing that mistakes are part of life, right? But never giving up, always loving, always cheering uh, the, his kids on. So let's be great fathers by cheering our kids on, loving them unconditionally, even when they fail, even when they make mistakes, because we all do. And we have a father who unconditionally loves us, right? We have a father who provides for us, a father who protects us, and a father who loves us unconditionally. Uh, number four, a great father leads as an example with integrity, with character, with faith, with love. One of the greatest things that a father can do is pass on to his children a good name, a good reputation, uh, the Bible talks about having a good name, a good reputation, and how valuable that is because it represents the character of that person, and it really does create a legacy of blessing uh, for the family that follows. Number five, a great father models a life of faith. Models a life of faith, lives out a life of faith. And I've got three things I want to say right here, and I'll probably repeat them later. But in terms of modeling a life of faith, Number one, the word of God is the anchor of truth to be lived by. The father knows the word of God, studies the word of God, and chooses to live by the word of God and leads his family in the obedience to God's word. That's, that's living out his faith. Number two, the Holy Spirit is recognized as the power for us you know, to depend on. Right? So a great father isn't just a strong man. He is a man who is humbled before God, who relies on the Holy Spirit in him for the grace needed to do anything and everything in life that God's called us to do. So we rely on the truth of God's word. We rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, the church is the spiritual family to be committed to. A great father recognizes that this is not just about me. It's not just about my own family. It's about an extended family, the, the, the kingdom of God, the, the spiritual family of God, the body of Christ. And we are to be committed to the body of Christ. That's what it means to live out your faith, that you, you're leaning on the word of God for your truth, that you are living through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that you're committed to the body of Christ, the spiritual family. So a great father recognizes those three things and models that lifestyle to his children. Okay, number, number six, a great father listens to the heart of his kids. A great father has compassion 
uh, is more interested about winning the heart of his children than about winning the argument. The, you know, more concerned about what's going on in their heart than he is about proving himself to his kids. And so um, we need to, as fathers, help our children, you know, th- process disappointments in life, hurts in life, pains in life, losses in life. And we also need to coach them through their mistakes, through their bad choices, not just get mad, not just ream them out, not just show them what, what the right thing is, but help them process through those things and heal their hearts because a lot of, a lot of the stuff that comes in life really affects our insides more than our outsides. And so as fathers, we need to be in tune with their hearts, with our kids, counseling them with, with wisdom. And finally, a great father teaches his kids life lessons all along life's journey. Uh, here's just a couple that I, I think are important that I, I'm that, I, that I've enjoyed learning and trying to pass some of these things on to our own kids. Have a firm handshake and look people in the eye. Uh, a, a great father might teach his kids or his sons especially to be a gentleman, to open the door for other people, to be polite, to say yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am, uh, to physically and emotionally respect and protect all women. That's an important lesson that fathers need to teach their boys. Also, uh, their fathers uh, teach uh, for, for their sons and their daughters to both be people of integrity, that your word is your bond, and that doing what is right is right even when no one else is watching. It's important to be a person of integrity, right? To be a person who takes on responsibility, to be a person of action, not excuses, to do what you say that you'll do and to follow up on those things. Another lesson I think a lot of fathers try to teach is to work hard, right? To try to take pride in your work and do everything that you do with your very best ability. Also, to love God and to love others. We need to teach our children to love God and to love others, to be generous, to be kind, to be thoughtful, to be compassionate to other people, to lend a helping hand whenever we can. Also, how to think and how to solve problems. Uh, And finally, a father teaches his kids how to shoot a basketball, right? Change a tire, use a hammer, fire a gun, hunt for deer, catch a fish, mow the lawn, trim a tree, throw a baseball, hit a golf ball, kick a football, right? And so dads are always teaching kids not just lessons in life, but also just a lot of fun skills that they've picked up along the way. And, uh, and these are things that we celebrate, these qualities of fathers. But more than all of these things, I want to focus in, in on today three, the three, what I believe are the three key spiritual responsibilities that every godly father has. And I want to be a godly father. And I know what you, you want to be a godly father. And I want to be a godly grandfather someday. And many of you are grandfathers right now. And these three spiritual responsibilities land on us as men of God to pass on to our kids and our grandkids that they might be successful and that we might have a legacy that's built on life and prosperity and health and wholeness, not brokenness, not pain, uh, but a, a, a life that is a legacy that is filled with life for our kids. And that's what we all want, isn't it? We want to pass on a legacy of life. So let's get into these three key spiritual responsibilities of a godly father. Number one, we need as men to lead our household in serving God. Uh, Joshua said this in Joshua 24, 15. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 
And because uh, God has placed the man uh, in the home to carry the weight of this responsibility, it is our responsibility to determine that our home will serve God. We just need to make that decision. We need to lead our family, our home, our children into the ways of God. This is what the Bible says in Genesis 18, 19. God said this, for I have chosen him, Abraham. I have chosen Abraham so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. So God is saying, I picked Abraham because I know he is going to direct his children and his household after uh, after the way of the Lord. He's going to direct his family. He's going to lead his family in following me. And because of that, I will be able to fulfill the promises I made to him. Isn't that awesome? God has great promises for all of us. All of his promises are good and therefore our benefit and our blessing. But those promises need to be acquired through a life of faith and depending on him. And so as, as men of God, as we lead our families, we are also leading them into a destiny of life. This is what God promised to Abraham. And this is why uh, God wanted to see Abraham direct his household in such a way to follow and trust in the Lord so that these things would come to pass. This is the promise that he made to him in Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three. And I believe this is the same promise that we have inherited through faith in Jesus Christ. And it is this, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And these are the promises God wanted to fulfill through Abraham. And Abraham, in order to see this happen, he had to raise his family, direct his household in the ways of God so that they could continue the flow of that blessing that God wanted to get to them. And it's the same for you and for me today. This life is way bigger than just my life and your life. This is about the generations to come. As long as the Lord tarries, we have the responsibility as men to pass on a legacy of serving the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 40 says this, keep his decrees and commands, which I am giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time. Do you see when we follow God's commands as men, not only does it go well for us, but it will go well for our children. The blessing of God flows through the obedience to God and his word. And so as we lead our homes in following God, his blessing comes upon us and it is extended generationally to our children. And if they continue that, it will continue to flow into their children, which are our grandchildren. So you can build a legacy of blessing for your children and your grandchildren and future generations if you will lead your home in serving the Lord putting him first in how you live your life, which means some real practical things like bring your family to church, bring your family to church, put them in the place of the presence of the Lord and put him first in your life. So as men, we need to bring our families to church, bring our kids to church, put them in the presence of God so they can grow, so they can participate, so they can learn how to serve, so that they can uh, engage in the presence of God in a corporate setting. 
Secondly, serve and give together as a family. Show your kids how to serve. Uh, do it with them. Give, sacrifice, let them see that this is who you really are and this is what faith looks like in reality. And finally, keep teach and keep God's commands. Teach your, your, your sons and daughters the word of God. Show them how it helps guide your decisions in life and why you make what decisions you're making because you're basing your life on God's truths and God's word. You are training your family, leading your family and serving God. Again, as I said earlier, the word of God is the anchor of truth to be lived by. The Holy Spirit is the power of God to be depended on. And the church is a spiritual family to be committed to. So as men, we need to be doing these three things for sure. Depending on the word of God, depending on the Holy Spirit and committed to the local church. All right. That's how we lead our family in serving God. So that's the first spiritual uh, responsibility that we have as men. The second one is to impress God's word on our children. This comes from Deuteronomy chapter six. And I want to read verses five to seven for you. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Now, what, what this is saying is the word of God needs to be the centerpiece of all of our activity, right? And the idea of impressing these words upon our children is the idea of pressing into uh, soft clay and actually molding that clay into something. So we are to, with, with our children, uh, as they're grown up, we are to actually be pressing them into the mold of God's ways and truth. We're not to be passive. We're not to just hope that they turn out a certain way. We're actually to be engaged in pressing upon them God's truth, his presence, his love, his, his ways and teaching them, coaching them, pressing them into the mold of a son of God, a daughter of God. Because they're also trying to get pressed into, they're not trying, but the world is trying to press in its philosophy into our children all the time. The world's ideas, the world's philosophies are constantly being pressed upon us. And uh, I think it's Paul who says in Romans chapter 12, do not be pressed upon, do not be conformed to the image of this world, the, the thinking of this world, right? To the sinful nature, but be transformed, uh, you know, into the image of God by changing your mind, knowing God's word. Right. And so this idea of pressing upon our kids is very important and it's very intentional for us as parents, mothers and fathers. We both share this responsibility. But right here uh, we are looking at that. This is not just sitting down, having a Bible study. This is a long life's journey when you're sitting at home, when you're walking along the road, when you're getting up, when you're going to bed. It's basically covering the whole day. Just say, look, your whole life is geared around the ways of God and the truth of God. And so use everything and anything at any time to teach your children the truths of God's word, why you do what you do, how much God loves us, what his plan is for our lives. And you're talking about God. You're talking about his ways. You're showing his ways. You're showing his principles all the time, everywhere you are. That's how we do it. So you need to, as a, as a father, 
as a grandfather, read and study the Bible if you're going to try to press it on, upon our children or our grandchildren. We need to know God's word. So this needs to be a normal activity of our personal time is studying and reading and, and contemplating the word of God, right? And then we need to teach these lessons throughout our normal uh, everyday life, just not like a like it's a sermon, we're just talking just like Jesus did. Hey, you see that weed over there? That reminds me of, you know, the story. And he'll tell, talk about the kingdom of God or he'll, he'll see uh, something else like a, a fig tree and he'll say, well, hey, and then he starts to teach about that. And so Jesus was just constantly teaching his disciples as they were walking along the road and using everyday things around. And that's what we're supposed to be doing as well with our kids. And finally, we need to live these truths of the Bible out. Okay, your obedience to God's word actually results in direct blessings upon your children. There's a powerful verse here in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. It says, the righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed are their children after them. When you and I choose to live our life righteously before God, we follow him as best we can. Now, by the way, blameless doesn't mean perfect. Blameless, in my understanding, means that we live uh, completely trusting in the Lord. And when we make a mistake, we repent and, and we, we quickly return and we let God work something out of us, right? Or work something into us. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means we, are, we have short accounts with God. We, we don't just continue to rebel. We don't run our own lives. We are humble. We are, we are still moldable. We are that moldable clay in God's hands as he is forming us, as he's called us to form our children. Right. And so blameless is to continue to have a humble posture before God of learning to depend on him and trust in him, even in our failures. And so the Bible says, if you trust in God, if you continue to live for him, says the righteous lead blameless lives. And that lifestyle creates a blessing for our children after us. This is awesome. And I would say the opposite would be true as well. When we don't honor God, when we don't live God's ways, that doesn't create blessing for our children. It creates just the opposite. Curses, brokenness, damage, hurt, pain, disruption, and, and we cause harm. And so if we will follow the Lord with all of our heart, love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? It is naturally going to create a blessing to our family and to our children. Proverbs 14, 26 says something similar. It says, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress and for their children, it will be a refuge. Okay, in other words, when we fear the Lord and we live for him, we are creating a safe place and our children are protected because of it. They are in the safe place. They have a refuge because we are fearing the Lord. We are living for God. Isn't that awesome? So we have this awesome responsibility as men to live our lives for the Lord and to continue to live out the word of God and impress the word of God upon our children. It creates a direct relationship to blessing and protection of our kids. The best tool you can equip your children with in this world is the word of God, the truth of God's word. Because this world is filled with lies and deception and human philosophies that end in death and brokenness and pain. But God's word leads to blessing, safety, prosperity, health, long life, riches, and eternal glory. 
And so that's the best thing that we can teach our kids is God's word and God's word works. God's word works. It produces life in us. The third and final key spiritual responsibility that I believe we have as fathers and grandfathers, as men of God, is that we need to coach our children in their purpose. We need to help them, help guide them into the plan that God has for their lives. We need to recognize the sobering fact that these children were given to us particularly because God has given us as parents what they need to help them fulfill their destiny in God. God wouldn't give us a child that we have no input in, we have no say in, we have no ability to raise. Of course not. God is going to anoint you to be the parent, the perfect parent that your child needs. And you need to have the confidence that God has given you this child and he's given you everything that you need to help guide them, protect them, nourish them and launch them into the plan that God has for their lives. One of my favorite verses along this idea is Psalm 127.4. And it says this, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. And I love the analogy of having a child as an arrow. And we are the warrior that God has entrusted this arrow, this child with. And we point that arrow and we aim that arrow at the plan and purpose that God has for their life. And we launch them into that plan. We need to be intentional about raising our kids in the ways of God and also helping them sort out what is God's plan for you? Well, these are the qualities I see in you. This is the kind of heart that I see God has given you. These are the kind of experiences I think God's going to use in you. And we may not know specifically everything that, that needs to happen, but we are there nurturing and admonishing and encouraging the giftings and the slants and the personality that we see emerging in our kids. We need to encourage them and we need to give them confidence that God has a plan for them and help guide them along that way. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. So we got to start them off on the right direction, right? Start them off in the way they should go. Uh, Proverbs 13, 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. And so I want to just talk for just a, a second here about discipline versus a different word that people get confused, which is punishment, right? When we are raising our children and, uh, and they misbehave or they make a mistake, there's a huge difference between punishing them or disciplining them. So punishing is the negative and it is uh, really about inflicting pain or penalties for wrong behavior but it doesn't necessarily come with, you know, repentance or any training or teaching or talking or counseling or forgiveness. It's usually just an emotional response of a parent that says, you're going to pay for that. You're going you're gonna to have a penalty. You're going to get grounded. You're going to get a timeout. You're going to get a SWAT. You're going to lose uh, your rights for this. You're going to lose your, uh, your, your phone for that. And it's just punishment, right? Just inflicting pain or penalties because we're trying to teach them a lesson, right? You better not do that again or else. But the word that we see in scripture is discipline. And discipline is different than punishment. So I want to encourage you as a father and as a mother, if you have young kids, to know the difference between punishment and discipline because the Lord wants us to discipline our children, but not punish them. 
Let me give you an example. Discipline is teaching. It's training. It's counseling. It's coaching. It involves repentance, a change of heart, a change of mind. It involves forgiveness. And, and, it, and it's all about transformation, right? The transformation of the child's heart, of the child's behavior, which comes from the heart. And a winning of the child's heart, not just a emotional knee-jerk uh, uh, reaction of anger to, you know, to react out of what they did wrong, but to coach, teach, train, guide, and bring them to the place that God wants them for, you know, to be. And so I just want to encourage you that the Lord disciplines us. He doesn't punish us. He doesn't just strike us down. He doesn't just you know, give us a, a mean speech and put us in our place and say mean words to us. That's not how our father treats us, is it? Now, I can be honest with you and say, I haven't always done this right. And, if, and those are the things that I would take back in a heartbeat as a father. The moments where I really was more about punishing and reacting out of my anger than it was about disciplining and teaching and winning the heart of my child in that moment. Sometimes my kids would do things that really made me mad and I would just act out of that anger and just put, put anger right back towards them. And then other times as I grew and got better at this and the Lord taught me how to do things better, I started to seek more about the heart of my child, not just the surface or the outside behaviors. And I was more concerned about why did they do that? What are they thinking? What, what caused them to do that? And how can I help uh, on the inside change what's going on in them? Because the outside will change if we change the inside, right? And discipline is all about changing the inside so the outside eventually comes into alignment. Punishment is all about just inflicting pain on the outside to stop the symptoms from appearing, but it doesn't work. Often it just makes it worse and, and we create a divide between us and our kids or an anger between us because now we're treating them harshly. And the Bible says for us dads, especially for us fathers, not to do anything that exasperates our children, not to make them angry with us. So that's not how God treats us. Aren't you glad? God is merciful and graceful. And he disciplines us. He teaches us. He corrects us for our good because he loves us. And that's how we are to be as fathers and as mothers to our kids. So here's my challenge to you. Train your kids in God's ways. Garden their heart. Help them sort out their feelings and their emotions and their hurts and their losses. Encourage them. Empower them. And cut off word curses from them. Do not put word curses on your kids. Do not curse them with negative uh, statements and negative labels. And if you hear negative things coming out of their mouth or being said to them, you cut them off. You are to garden them, protect them, and help them find their way. You're not to allow the enemy to speak through other people word curses that label your kids in a negative way, that shackle them down, that handicap them to those labels and hold them and suppress them down. We as parents are to help our kids be divested of those, those thoughts and to see who God is and what God's put inside of our kids and to encourage and motivate and train and launch our children in the ways of God. So as we close uh, this message, um, I just want to remind you, here's a, a great verse I want to say before I, before I close. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 11 to 12 says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father, 
deals with his own children. Listen to these words. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. This was how Paul ministered to his spiritual children. This is how we are to minister to our physical children, to be encouraging, comforting, and urging them into the ways of God because God has a calling on their lives and it's a glorious calling that they have. So as I close this message, I just want to just take a second to reflect on how does God deal with us as our father? There's a way more uh, that I could be saying about this. I'm just going to give you a couple of scriptures just to encourage you today that we have an awesome heavenly father who loves us, who never gives up on us, who always has our best interests in mind. Deuteronomy chapter one, verses 29 to 31 says, then I said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries a son all the way you went until you reached this place. And I love this picture of God carrying his children. We are his children. And you know that, that old uh, story about the footprints in the sand where there's two sets of footprints and then all of a sudden there's one, right? Just one set of footprints. And the person was walking uh, with God and, and he looks back and he says, God, why, why did you leave me back there when there's only one set of footprints? He says, I didn't leave you. I was carrying you. I was carrying you, right? And God is never leaving us. He will never leave you. But there are times when God just carries us. He loves us. He's for us, right? He never will put us on our own. And that is the heart that God has for you. And whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're dealing with right now, even if you have been running from God, even if you have failed, even if you have uh, made some huge mistakes, I'm telling you right now, God is still for you. He still loves you. He's not looking to punish you. He's looking to comfort you and teach you and guide you and help you trust in him. Isn't that good? And I love Psalm 103. This, this is a great psalm that reminds us of all these great qualities that God has towards us. Let me read for you um, the first 13 verses of Psalm 103. It says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always... Uh, accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Aren't you glad about that? We don't get what we deserve when it comes to God and our actions. God doesn't pay us for our iniquities, repay us for those. It says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. 
As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Isn't that an awesome reminder of who God is? That he's for us and not against us. He has removed our sins from us. He heals our diseases. He renews our strength. He's just so awesome to us. And of course, I want to finish by reminding you of a, a story that Jesus tells. And sometimes it's called the prodigal son. But I like to call that story the father's love. And this is what happened after the son ditched his father, wasted his inheritance, came to the end of himself, all of his mistakes, all, all, you know, all of his waywardness. He came to the end of himself, started to come home. And this is what the Bible says in Luke 15, 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And that's the picture that I have in my mind of God. He is for me, even at my lowest point, even in my greatest rebellion. He loves me. He wants me to be home with him. He wants to embrace me. He wants to embrace you. He is for you. Uh, earlier this week, as I was preparing this message, I was just praying and talking to God. And I just was basically saying, God, just give me a word for this Sunday. Give me a word for the people that I'm going to be sharing with. What do I say? And immediately, and this doesn't happen all the time, but immediately, this is what I heard. Tell them I love them. That's it. So I'm just going to tell you what God told me to say to you today. I love you. Isn't that a great message? God loves you just as you are, just right where you're at. God loves you. And that's the Father uh, that we have in the heavenly places, longing to, you know, be with us and to walk with us in this life. He created us to know him and to be with him forever. And if you'd like to know him and you don't know him, uh, every, every week when I do this message, I give people an opportunity just to get right with God. That's why Jesus came to take care of that great sin divide that we created when we rebelled and left God. Didn't trust in God anymore. We trusted in ourselves. We wanted to know good and evil for ourselves. We wanted to make up our own rules. We wanted to live life on our terms. And we left God and we were cut off from the source of life. And Jesus came to reunite us with God, to reunite us with life, that we might be born again through a sacrifice. When he shed his blood for you and for me, when his body was beaten for you and for me, he reversed the curse of death that we could have life again in him in fellowship with God. So if you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Just pray this right now from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me and you came to die for me to pay my debt of sin so I could return into relationship with you and experience life forevermore. Today, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I place my faith in you. I trust in you for everything that I need going forward. And I ask for you to fill me with your Holy Spirit so I have the power to live this life you created for me to enjoy. In your name I pray. Amen.
Amen. Well, thanks for joining uh, with us to, together today. I hope that you have a great celebration of Father's Day today as well. And if you are watching this this morning on Sunday, we are doing a little party. If you want to come on out and join us, we're doing a party today. It'll probably be around uh, 12 o'clock. We got free food and some games for the family to enjoy. But if I don't see you, uh, let me just pray a blessing on you. And I hope that you have a great day with your family. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in his name. Love you guys. Hope to see you soon. Have a great day and an awesome week.